Praise the Lord. I get to read from the treasure this morning. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the winds blew and fell against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone hearing these words of mine and not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now it happened when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is the gospel according to Jesus. And you've noticed already that the gospel according to Jesus is very different from the false gospel that is often preached in the world today. And those red letter words that we just heard read to us put before us a couple of questions to consider. Is it easy to become a Christian or is it difficult? Is it easy to live as a Christian or is it hard in some ways? And already you're wondering, are these trick questions? No, they're not. They're not. Many people believe the gospel is an invitation to pray a certain prayer, you know, asking Jesus into your heart. And then having prayed that prayer, you now consider yourself a Christian, though you go on living as most people around you live. 
um, maybe a little bit more religious now than before you prayed the prayer, um, but still your life is mostly the same as everybody else in the world around you. Um, it's just that now you consider yourself a Christian uh, because you've, you've prayed the prayer. And, and that is a common false gospel in our day. And it's very possible that there are some here on this day for whom that false gospel rings as a reality in your thinking. That to become a Christian is as easy as falling out of bed and to live as a Christian is as easy in the sense that you just remain essentially the same in character and practice as those around you who are not Christians. And so this morning we're confronted with the gospel according to Jesus and there is no other gospel. And I beg you this morning to heed Christ's clear warning. And I invite you this morning to receive his kind welcome. Both are made evident to us in just these two verses that we're going to squeeze together this morning, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. And by now, you've had plenty of time to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. There's a crease there, right? Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow, and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, if you're visiting with us this morning, let me just, first of all, welcome. We are really glad that you're here. Uh, And let me just get you caught up to where we've been. Um, Matthew's gospel presents to us Jesus as God's uh, long-promised, long-awaited, anointed king. Christ is the king promised way back in Genesis where we read of the fall of man when Adam and Eve sinned against God when they went their own way. Uh, when their rebellion brought sin into humanity and, and sin's death to all people, tarnishing creation itself, God promised to send a king. And, and the king, God the eternal son, has been born into humanity, into his own creation in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's come in his humanity to save his people from their sins. Have you heard this? King Jesus has come in his saving work to bring heaven's life to his people. And he's come to bring heaven's values and priorities and glories to this earth. And his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is breaking into humanity even now. And to get into this kingdom, to belong to this kingdom, you must enter by a gate, singular. This gate leads onto a way, singular, a pathway to kingdom life. Now just notice the gospel welcome into the kingdom, in verse 13, is also a command. 
Just, just, just see that in your Bibles. Don't take it just from me. Enter through the narrow gate. The subject in this sentence is you. This is, this is to do with you. Not your parents, not your grandparents, you. You are the one welcomed. In fact, you are the one commanded. Again, just look at the text. You are the one welcomed and commanded by the king to enter his kingdom via this narrow gate. This narrow gate is the only way to God. It's the only way to God's heaven. It's the only passport to citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Again, the gospel is not merely a kind welcome. Oh, but it is that. How kind is our God? How gracious is our God in Christ? But it's also a clear warning. Enter here, uh, this way to life. This is for you. That's the, the kind welcome. Enter here and here only or perish eternally. That, that's the clear warning. Notice the word enter, and I, and I encourage you to circle that in your, in your Bible or maybe your friend's Bible. Enter through the narrow gate. The word enter in verse 13 comes from a Greek word that means to go in. All right, that's the obvious part. To change, essentially, is the meaning of this word enter. To go in, to, to change, essentially. It, it's used metaphorically here to refer to passing through a narrow gateway, enter through the narrow gate. To, to get through this narrow gate, uh, something must change in your essential being. Your essential disposition toward yourself, your, your essential disposition toward God, toward life itself, must change. I don't know if I've mentioned to you before that we have grandchildren, Pam and I, and by God's great kindness, um, a little baby girl uh, was born into our family on Tuesday. Uh, her name is Bertie, and... Um, and I think that's just wonderful, and that's not even part of the sermon. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I can make it work, all right? So, so here's the thing. There has been an essential change in little Birdie. Monday, she's in mama's womb, and her native environment is actually liquid. That's, all I'm, that's as far as I'm going to go. Um, <laughs> come Tuesday, not so much. In fact, she can no longer live in that environment. Are you hearing this? You see how simple this is? The Beatitudes then describe for us this essential change. To read the Beatitudes is to hear Jesus' description of this essential change. Um, chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 1, uh, I'm just going to go really quickly here, but ju- just remember that the, the, these are the king's blessed people. The, these are the king's happy people. The king's blessed people who, who walk this constricted way ha- have gone through this narrow gate of repentance and faith in Christ as king. 
The, the king's blessed people know that they are spiritually impro- impoverished. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They know that they're desperately separated from God by their own sinfulness. And, and the king's blessed people mourn their sinfulness before God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and in their humility, in their Poverty of spirit, blessed are the lowly. They hunger for and thirst for a righteousness that God's re- God requires, but they don't have within themselves. And they find it in their king. They find it in Jesus, the righteous one. He, he's come to live the righteousness that they have not lived and cannot live on their own. He's come to save them from their sins and they receive this merciful rescue from God's wrath, destruction as Jesus calls it here in Matthew 7 through their repentance and faith in the king's work for them. His life, his death on that bloody cross, his resurrection in power to an endless life. Now, please hear this. Because some of you are already looking at me like, oh, I think I've heard this before. This is not to do with whether you've heard this before. If you would enter this narrow gate that is as narrow as the cross of Jesus, you must be stripped of everything that would block your entrance. The only other place in the New Testament where Jesus speaks these words is in Luke's gospel, Luke 13, 24, where he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Same idea. Strive is, it comes from a Greek word that gives us the English word agonize, fight. How different is the gospel according to Jesus than what passes for a gospel in our culture today? What what is this agonizing, this striving that involves an essential change in who I am as a person, how I live as a person? That's as different as little birdie in the womb and now little birdie living life. Well, it's a work of the Spirit of God, isn't it? As food enters the body and energizes life, so the Holy Spirit energizes the man or woman, the, the young man, the young, young woman uh, of the kingdom and energizes this essential life change, grants repentance, grants faith in Christ. Is that you? Well, I, I, I prayed the prayer. This is not to do with the prayer. And there is an agonizing in the sense that it involves turning from sin and self and turning to Christ alone. That's why the king likens the gospel's kind welcome here to a narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. This gospel gate is like a narrow, constricted turnstile. I remember not too long ago, Pam and I in Seattle, we went to a, a Seattle Sounders soccer game. And j- even just to get into something as, as, as earthly as a, as a soccer game, you got to go through this really narrow turnstile. 
And you can't go together. You got to go alone. And you can't bring a purse. You can't bring a backpack. Um, you can't even wear a hat that's too wide. They'll bust your chops for that. You get sent to the back of the line. You go through it alone. You go through it without baggage or you don't get in. Enter through the narrow gate. You must get rid of all of your self-righteousness, all of the religious stuff you do and then point to as a work that you've done to justify yourself before God. All the religious stuff you're doing that you think makes you better than that other guy. You get rid of that or you won't get through the gate. You must get rid of your love for pet sins. What do I mean by that? You'll never fit through the gate still willfully, blissfully clinging to the baggage of pet sins. I'm not talking about the sin that plagues you, that you hate. I'm not talking about the sin that pursues you as you're pursuing Christ. That's normal Christianity. Remember Romans 7, Paul says, man, the stuff I want to do, I don't do enough of that. The stuff I don't want to do, I keep doing that. Who's going to save me from this? And then he, he says, oh, Jesus, Jesus. So I'm not talking about the battle with sin. I'm talking about the person here this morning who has no battle with sin. We'll come back to that. You, you must get rid of your right to self-rule. The king has not come into the lives of his people to do their bidding. He is the king. All of your rights are set aside now as you pledge and live in allegiance to the king. Is this your Christianity, friend? Because this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, there's not a different Christianity. There's not a different gospel. Enter through the narrow gate. John MacArthur, in in his commentary on Matthew, puts it this way, God's gate is so narrow that we must go through it naked. It is the gate of self-denial through which one cannot carry the baggage of sin and self-will. See, this is why it must be a work of the Spirit of God. Little birdie. Just one more and I'll quit. Um, She didn't decide to get born Tuesday. She has no sense of that whatsoever. Just sort of happened by God's design. Turning from sin and self-righteousness and self-rule, though a work of the Spirit of God in his children, is nonetheless a choice. Jesus is calling people to a choice. Enter. Enter. And, 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 and the volitional part of this, enabled by God, the Holy Spirit, is what? Well, Jesus has been preaching the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew has told us. Matthew 3, 2, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, the words of Jesus, a gospel, a, 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 a kind welcome is also a clear warning. Repent. No one enters the kingdom of heaven apart from the narrow gate, of repentance and allegiance to the king. 
Now, let me just ask you, those of you who are short on time and are going to tune out pretty soon, have you responded to this kind welcome? Is that essential change occurring in your life? Because that's what it means to enter. Have you entered through the narrow gate? Uh, this, is, this is a kind welcome and an invitation even for you to receive this morning if you've not done so already. But it's also a command for you to heed this morning, isn't it? And you can only enter through the narrow gate of repentance and allegiance to King Jesus. Now, are you still listening? Notice with me in verse 13, we're making tremendous progress, uh, that, that the gate comes before the way. Don't, don't get that backwards. That's a false gospel, that you work your way to heaven. You know, Alan Jackson sings about that, doesn't he? It's cornbread and chicken and working hard to get to heaven. It's a great song. That's horrible theology, right? Uh, but here's the thing. The gate comes before the way. Don't get that mixed up. The gospel presents to us a narrow gate and a constricted way that leads us between these two pitfalls of legalism and antinomianism, lawlessness. God doesn't care about sin. We're grace people. So you don't live a certain way and thereby merit life, you know, heaven, salvation. No, you go through this narrow gate. This is a work of the Spirit of God leading you to repentance and faith in Christ. And notice, though, that repentance and faith in Christ always open onto this constricted way. And you say, well, I've, ne I've never understood the gospel that way. I, I, my understanding is that some people just live a worldly life and, and some people live a sort of churchy life. And then, but, but, but what separates them is that one of them said a prayer way back when and the other one didn't. And, and aren't you glad you're here today to get this cleared up? That's a false gospel. And so you need the gospel warning before you can come back to the invitation. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. What is this about? There is an attractive, popular alternative to the narrow gate. The wide gate that leads to destruction is attractive and it's quite popular. In fact, it's so wide that you can barely tell that it's a gate at all. So broad and so diverse is the life that this wide gate opens onto, you can hardly tell that it's a particular way of life. Just about anything fits in there, no problem. It, it, it blends in with just about every other form of human life there is. So before Jesus expounds upon the narrow gate that opens onto this constricted way, he makes clear, um, warning his listeners away from the false alternative. Now, why do I say that the, that the wide gate, you still with me? 
that the wide gate is, is, is so popular, so attractive. Well, you can go through this wide gate without jettisoning anything. Whatever sinful baggage you've accumulated in life, you can bring that with you. You, you, you can keep it all and still pass through the wide gate. Whatever carnal preferences are part of your thinking, worldly ideas you've borrowed from outside of, of God's best, you, you can keep all of that. No problem. You'll fit just fine through this wide gate. This gate is so wide. How inviting is this gate to the sons and daughters of Adam? The wide gate and the broad way can be very religious. You, you can be religious just, just like the scribes and the Pharisees. They keep cropping up in Jesus' teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. You, you can trust in your own religion, your, your own re- rituals, your own uh, religious practices, and, and you'll be welcomed by many others <laughs> as you join the crowds passing through this wide gate. What if you don't want to be religious? That's not a problem either. You can be irreligious. Either way, you just do you. Uh, You'll fit in just fine through this wide gate. And and the broad way that this this wide gate leads on to uh, is the all-inclusive way. In fact, it's the spacious way. There's room for every belief system that mankind has come up with plus the ones we've yet to invent. It's spacious enough for any lifestyle that sinful men and women can think of. Um, All are welcome. All means all. Everyone is welcome. Everyone means everyone. The gate is so wide, there's no need to jettison anything that's precious to you and your flesh. No, no need to humble yourself before God. You, you can be your own God and still get through this wide gate that leads on to this broad way. How broad is this way, no need to have implanted within you what only the Spirit of God can implant within you, a, a, a genuine love for God, a genuine repentance from self and sin, a genuine desire to walk in His ways. How attractive and how popular is this wide gate that leads on to this broad way? No need for a life of holiness. No, no need for a life that, that, that somehow slows the rot of sin in your community, preserves what is good and true by God's measure in your relationships like, like salt preserves and purifies. We read that somewhere, didn't we? And what did Jesus say to that? If the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made more salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. There's no need for any of that if you want to go through this wide gate that opens onto this broad way 
In fact, on this broad way, you cannot be salt and light in the world because you're too much like the world. You're, you're so much a part of the world's values and priorities and desires, you, you fit in just fine. Please hear this. Jesus has been dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the, the religious hypocrites of his day. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he kept saying, I know you've been taught this, but I say, I know you've heard it this way, but I'm going to give you the truth. He's correcting religious error that leads to destruction. And the wide gate is often the gate of a false profession of conversion that leads to a fake religious life. You say, well, what's that like? Well, my goodness, just look at the world around you. You don't need that born-again stuff to be on this Broadway that is, is accessed via this wide gate. You, you just tip your hat to the king and you sing the songs and you, you learn the jargon and, and yet you remain the same person inwardly as those who would never even bother to name Christ as Savior and King. The Broadway is often the way of external religion without a heart of love toward God. So please hear the gospel's clear warning. Those of you, for love's sake, for the sake of love toward God, let, let, let me just say to you, the broad way that you are on perhaps, if, if, if you've chosen this wide gate, it's leading you to destruction. This is not my message. This is the message of God the Son. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it. Destruction translates a Greek word that that, um, gives us the word waste or ruin. Listen, are, are, are are you wasting your life with fake Christianity? It's Christian because you just put a fish sticker on it? Is your hollow profession leading you to spiritual ruin? God's eternal wrath? You know, th- that word elsewhere, destruction, uh, in Scripture, the, the, the Greek um, word is translated perish, perish. How frequently King Jesus preaches the gospel so that there is not only a kind welcome, but also a very clear warning at the same time. I wonder if you've heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Same, same word, same word group anyway. The choice is Christ and life or perishing eternally. There is no third choice. And you say, well, I, there is a third choice, preacher. Haven't you heard? I'm just, I'm just open to whatever. I'm just, I'm just not going to decide. It, in your not deciding, friend, you have decided. Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. 
You're either a friend of God by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone, or you are an enemy of God. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, to condemn the world. Why? The world's already condemned. But that the world might be saved through him. Through him, through the narrow gate that is Jesus, the narrow gate that always opens unto living on this constricted way. Now look at verse 14. And now there's a great sigh in the room because, because you remember at the onset, the, the, the guy said, we're only doing two verses. All right, so we're around the corner now, aren't we? For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted or difficult that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Not only is the gate to eternal life narrow, as narrow as the cross of Jesus, as narrow as repentance from sin and allegiance to the king, faith in Christ, not only is the gate itself narrow, the gate leads onto a life that is also narrow, constricted, difficult. In what sense? Well, let me give you a quote. Um, from somebody else, and then we'll squeeze it some more. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his um, sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, says this. He says, you know, the the ultimate test of myself, uh, of my profession of the Christian life, can be put like this. Have I committed myself to this way of life? Is it the thing which controls my life? Is it governing and controlling us in our actual decisions and practice. See, that's Christianity. The narrow gate to life, the, the, the constricted way of life, they're inseparable. Just look at the text. Don't take it from me. The narrow gate does not lead to a broad, easy, worldly, fleshly, self-indulgent way. That's not what our king describes here. Some of your Bibles describe the way of the kingdom as difficult, narrow, small. So if the people of the world look at you, Christian, and say, man, you're so narrow-minded, you know, they're not off by much. I mean, they mean it as an insult, but you could at least think to yourself, I don't have to take it that way. Elsewhere in the New Testament, that same Greek word is translated tribulation, pressure. Jesus has already said in this very Sermon on the Mount that the king's blessed people are at times persecuted for righteousness' sake. The king's blessed people are called to love their enemies, forgive those who sin against them. Uh, They are those who are, by God's enablement, killing off sinful habits like their adulterous thoughts and, and, and their, their, their murderously angry attitudes and their, their grudge-keeping and their pride and, and their showmanship in their religion. This is all from the Sermon on the Mount. This is not my material. We're not saved by living this way. Don't think that. The gate comes before the way. We live this way willingly, happily, increasingly, because we are saved people. 
Because the Spirit of God dwells within us. The narrow gate opens onto this constricted way. This is the essential change that occurs in all of the king's blessed people, those who are born of the Spirit of God. You you could think of it this way. Entrance into the kingdom brings an empowerment to live a life of loyalty to the king. Perfectly? No. We're being perfected. Amen? But nonetheless, there is that new heart promised by God to his people. And when Jesus says that there are few who find this, what what is he talking about? Because the room's full of people. Christendom seems to be vast. What's he talking about? There's few who find it. In fact, doesn't the Bible say elsewhere that the new heavens and the new earth will be populated by a vast and and diverse people from all over the world, from throughout human history? Of course. So, So what does he mean here when he says few find it? Well, first of all, he means that his disciples are in the minority in terms of other people in the world around them. Young people, by the way, those of you who, who graduated and, and you just spilled your joy in Christ onto all of us in that singing, did that not bless your heart? Thank you for that. And do not be discouraged when it seems like you're surrounded by everybody else who's swimming in the wrong direction. It's just that you're surrounded by most everybody else swimming in the wrong direction. That's, that's normal Christianity. I, I, I don't fit in. I feel like a misfit in some of the places I go to in my community. The, the things that I'm interested in, it doesn't seem like they're that interested. This is normal Christianity. And you may be abnormal in many other ways, but, but that is not one of them, if that's you. This is a constricted way. And so the idea that this world is going to become more and more Christian until everybody on the planet is is, you know, on... Jesus' team, so to speak, that's, that's not really supported in Scripture. The wheat and the tares grow up together, Jesus will say in Matthew 13. And they will do so until the end, until the harvest. So don't, don't be unduly discouraged by that. This, this is the, the, the difficult way, the constricted way. But, you know, Jesus is not really speaking in generalities here. He's speaking specifically in Galilee to a people whose heritage are are those who have long enjoyed God's special revelation through the Scriptures, the Jewish people. The Jews of Jesus' day had uh, not only that special revelation of God's law, And the prophets, they had the priesthood, they had the temple, they had the sacrifices, all that pointed them to the essential sacrifice of Christ at Calvary. And yet Jesus turned to those scribes and Pharisees, the the professional religious people, and he says, you know what, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. All religious on the outside, rotten as ever on the inside. And and so were many of the people following the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. And God's people are not called to a man-made 
man maintained religion, but to a relationship with the living God. And when you're in relationship with the living God, he lives within you and he changes you. Progressively into the image of Christ. We've been made right with God by faith in his perfect righteousness credit to us. Amen. And his death at Calvary accomplishing for us the forgiveness of our sins. How many of you are glad today that your sins are covered by the blood of Christ credited to you? And his resurrection to life, uh, to an eternal life, uh, guarantees you not only an endless life, but but a type of life, a heavenly life. This is the way of the kingdom. This is life in the kingdom a life that we live more and more progressively as we're being sanctified. That is our share in his great victory for us. Well, we're heading in a direction now, aren't we? And you say, well, what direction? The end? Soon. Don't miss this, though. The king says here in Matthew 7 that he will never apply his saving work to sinners without also loosening sin's grip on them. Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. He's come to save his people away from their sins. That's why when we baptize believers here next Lord's Day, um, they will be asked some, some, some questions, simple questions, really, profound questions, though, I think. Have you repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ alone as your Savior? He's the narrow gate. Again, not my material. Is it your desire to follow him, to live a life that is surrendered to him as king? You, you won't do so perfectly, but that's your new heart's desire. That that is the constricted way, the difficult way. Again, not my material. These are the words of the king. Baptism, the public profession of allegiance to Christ, is a non-negotiable command of the king. It's a primary step, if you will, of obedience to the king. It's your line in the sand public pledge of allegiance to Christ as king. And so in Scripture, just beware of this, the the unbaptized believer is really um, an anomaly that, that that is foreign to Scripture. Have you entered the narrow gate? By God's grace and with his enablement, are you living on this constricted way? Then some of you perhaps might remember the question that was put to Philip in Acts 8. You know, what, what hinders me from being baptized? Let me just end with this. This new life, this redeemed life, I mean, it's even pictured in baptism, isn't it? You come up out of the water, we don't leave you in there. Praise God, you get brought right up out of it. But it's symbolic of this, this washing and this refreshing of the soul and, and this rising again to new life, as Paul says in, in Romans 6. 
And, and Jesus is, is describing it as, as life itself. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. This is the happiest life possible. Don't forget that. That this is the best life God has for his people. Remember, when God, you know, through Moses gave the law, he, he said to his people, hey, this is what I've given you. These commands I've given you that it may go well with you. I, I've created you for this. Easy? No. Difficult? Often. But there is no greater joy than to know you're a pilgrim in a strange land on her way home. That, that the new heaven and the new earth are, are just around the corner. Amen? And so the constricted way is a journey through the best life that God has for his people. Ours is a joyful life. Ours is a spiritually fruitful life, John 15. Ours is the abundant life, the, the life of significance by God's definition, John 10. Ours is a life of assurance, stability, quiet confidence in God. Though the world around us may be falling apart, 1 Peter 1. We are the king's blessed people. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He says, we look forward with joyful confidence to a heaven of holiness with which we shall be satisfied eternally. And so by God's grace and with his enablement, we make the daily choice really to walk on this constricted path of life. I, I urge you before we end this thing this morning, uh, Please don't find your assurance and security in a trite prayer that you uttered a few years ago or, or even your own baptism. Uh, you, you got wet at a time when you didn't even know what that was about. Um, the, the, the question really is right now in the present, are you living under the rule of Christ? Is he your king? And what if I stumble? I mean, what if I stray or even wander off the path for a season? Well, this narrow gate that, that, that opens onto the, the constricted way, the difficult way, is, is for weaklings just like you in that sense. And, and weaklings just like me. Of course we stumble. Remember again, Romans 7, Paul says, the stuff I want to do, I don't do enough. The stuff I don't want to do, I keep doing that stuff. That's the battle, right? But here's the thing. This narrow gate that opens onto a constricted way is not a way that we walk alone. We are secure in Christ. And our Savior and our King in the gospel says, you know what? In addition to that, I'm your brother and I'm your friend and I'm your God, and I'm with you always, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. You're mine. Secure in Christ by grace. So, so we've heard the, the, the clear warning 
and and it and it's also a kind welcome, isn't it? So so we'll just end where we began. Is it easy to become a Christian or difficult? Is it is it is it easy to live as a Christian or or kind of hard sometimes? What is life in the kingdom of heaven really like? Enter through the narrow gate. Cling to the king. Cling to Jesus who leads you to life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We we thank you that we are not left to um, invent our own good news, our own gospel though we live in a world that has done so. You, you've given us light. You've given us clarity. You've given us certainty. You've given us assurance about what it is to uh, know you, uh, to belong to you, uh, to live as those who are under your rule and who are living toward a glorious eternal future promised to your kids. Lord, give us grace today to be those who have entered through that narrow gate, are walking on this constricted way that leads to life. We ask you this, Jesus, for your namesake.